You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. In each episode of Movie Therapy, Rafer, you and I offer up questionable advice and solid movie and TV recommendations for everybody out there who has, you know, their challenges, their quandaries, their issues. That's right. All this despite the fact that we are not real therapists, only real movie critics. (laughs) So, Rafer, shall we get started with our first letter of the day? Yes, our first letter is from Katie, who writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, You know the old sayings, hoes before bros and ovaries before broveries? Well, without intention or malice, I've always done things the other way around. From the time I was in middle school, I've always fallen in love so hard and fast that I've basically lost all interest in my friends if there was a guy in the picture. Now I'm well into my 20s nearly 30, to be honest, and I wish I'd done things differently. My live-in boyfriend of five years and I are going through a bad rough patch, and I'm not even sure who I can talk to about it. Most of my so-called friends at this point are really his friends, and my old friends are only acquaintances I occasionally touch base with on social media. Do you have any advice for getting through this time or breaking through the old bros-before-hoes habit that led me here in the first place? Oh, Katie, you know what? First and foremost, I'm going to say, you're not alone. No. You know why those sayings exist? Because so many people have been down the path you've been down before. The bros as well. Yes. Yeah. Have you ever done that yourself, Rafer? I don't think I... I don't think I necessarily have, but I, I, you know, I, I have seen it. I have seen it done both ways. I have seen, you know, guys who kind of disappear into their girlfriends and vice versa. I don't think I necessarily have, have done that. Well... You know, I've had I've had bouts of depression where I've sort of retreated into, you know, sort of retreated into kind of a, a, a relationship that way. But not not this not this kind of like, oh, I've fallen in love with someone and I've, I'm giving up everything for them, which I think is kind of common. And I get it. I, I get I get that temptation. You meet a new person, and you fall in love and you kind of you kind of want everything to be 100 percent them. I I sort of understand that. How about you, Kristen? Do you do you do that or have you have you have you been the girl who does that? You know, I don't think that I'm the person who does that. I've definitely been ditched for the friends who do that. Like, Mm -hmm. ditched to the point where 
I've had friends who who I would go from talking with every day to maybe talking with twice a year mm-hmm. and or who just evaporated entirely and then reappeared when the breakup happened. <laughs> you know, I, I've definitely been in that situation before. Well, can I offer a little bit of advice to our listener, to uh, to Katie? And Kristen, you, you know, you were just saying that, you know, you've you've had friends who kind of ditched you and then came back. They came crawling back, yes. you know, to, to be your friend again. And and what did you do? You I'm sure you welcomed them back in. Yeah. And there may have been, you know, a rough patch for the first few weeks of, you know, a, a little tiny bit of resentment on my part. A sure. A lot of guilt on their part, you know. Sure. All of those complicated feelings. But then we became friends again. But yeah, absolutely. It was a risk that they had to take to come back. Exactly. And it was a risk that I had to take to say, come back. Yes, you're welcome here. Exactly. Well, that that's that's my little bit of of of, uh, of advice for our listener. I, I think if you were to go back to those friends of yours, those those social media acquaintances, just go back and just say, look, I'm that chick. I've become that chick. I'm the one I'm the one who ditched all my friends from my boyfriends. Now things are not going so well. I need some help. Can you find it in your heart to let me back in? I really need someone to talk to. And, you know, see how it goes. If they were ever real friends of yours in the first place, I I think they'd welcome you back with open arms and they wouldn't give you too much crap about it. They might give you a little crap about it, but that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you, Rafer. And, you know, maybe they have moved on. Maybe they did get too resentful. And if they did, there are other friends you can make. And I've said this before. Yes. But you can join a book club or you can join some sort of support group for people going through breakups. You can join all sorts of social circles online. There are so many of them in the age of COVID. So many people who get together just to talk about what they're going through. There are lots of other friends you can make if for some reason your old friends are, you know, a little reluctant to take you back right away. So there are options. You don't have to go through this alone, Katie. And you definitely do not have to talk to your boyfriend's friends. God, don't do that. Please don't talk to your boyfriend's friends. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, don't do that. Well, Kristen, what do you have to prescribe to uh, to Katie? I think I think she's in dire need of something good. Yes. Well, Katie, it's funny. When you wrote this, um, it seemed like your predicament was so spot on with a TV show that came out last year called Dollface on Hulu. Do you know the show Dollface, Rafer? I don't at all, no. Well, Dollface centers around Jules, played by Kat Dennings. And Rafer, I'm pretty sure you like Kat Dennings as much as I do, right? I like Kat Dennings a lot. She was the best thing about the Thor movies, in my opinion. <laughs> sure, of course. Yes. And I also loved her in Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. I, yeah. I just think Kat Dennings is so charming, so funny. She seems like she takes no bullshit from anyone. Uh, she's a little rough around the edges, but also just gorgeous and a good time. I, I love Kat Dennings. So Me too. On the show Dollface, she plays a 30-something woman who tries to rebuild her friendships with her old college friends after being dumped by her long-term live-in boyfriend. Uh-huh. So, you know, kind of kind of a similar situation here to Katie. Very. Along the way, we see her struggle to come to terms with what female friendship and female identity mean to her, a struggle that's sometimes confusing in a world that sends, you know, contradictory messages to women about independence and friendship and feminism and so on. Here's a clip. Oh, my God. Jeremy broke up with you. What? That's crazy. I'm here to see you. Jeremy broke up with me. I could have been coming by for something else. You don't know. 
I don't know. I was your freshman roommate, your best friend, and the only person you told about being sexually attracted to that male cartoon character from Kim Possible. I said Ron Stockpole's smile was well drawn, and I said that in confidence. I don't have time for this. I'm doing PR for a client at a woman's summit about the importance of inner beauty, and I obviously can't go if I have nothing cute to wear. Are you picking up my- I clean when I'm upset. I have to be at the summit in an hour, and now I have an emotionally-induced migraine that necessitates a cup of coffee. Now, Katie, the reason why I am recommending Dollface to you is it's for a few reasons. One, as I already said, this seems to mirror your situation quite a bit. Only she's a little bit older than you, so you might be able to take some pride in that where it's like, oh, someone in their 30s is still doing the stuff that I'm doing now. Sure. Wow, look at that. But also, this show... I want to point out is not just about Jules and the predicament she put herself in. It's about her friends and the fact that they've also made relationship mistakes they aren't proud of. They've also made friendship mistakes they aren't proud of. It's about sifting through all the messy baggage in our heads and the messages in the world. It's about laughing at our screw ups. And while Dollface is not a perfect show, I'll just say right here and now it's not perfect. I think it might give you hope that you can get back out there and do things better for yourself going forward in terms of your own independence and your own friendships and maybe eventually romance again. So, Katie, the show again is called Dollface and it is on Hulu. Well, that sounds pretty good. Do you feel like this is uh, this is a show that kind of owes a debt to girls or not necessarily? Is this more a show that kind of would have come across, like would have come on, come down the pike uh, no matter what? Uh, I think it would come down the pike no matter what. And, you know, as far as shows it might be indebted to, I actually was thinking it might in some ways be indebted to Sex and the City. Ah, It's okay. a slightly different version of 30-something women. And you remember Sex and the City. Even though there's lots of sex and there's lots of bros, it's always hoes first, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And Dollface is kind of the same way. But, you know, they, they have lots of interesting things with boys, including, I will point out, Macaulay Culkin is one of the men in one of their lives. Wow. I love it. And he plays a slippery jerk. I won't say how he's a slippery jerk, but he's hilarious. He's almost a villain on the show. He's hilarious. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's very interesting. All right. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> All right. But what about you, Rafer? What are you going to recommend to Katie here? Well, I'm recommending uh, this is a slightly slightly heavier movie, uh, which I, I, I guess is kind of my habit. But this is a movie from just earlier this year. Uh, it's called Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Uh, Kristen, are you familiar with this film? Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. I remember when it was out, but I have to confess, I did not see it. That's all right. This, that's, that's what happens to films that came out early in 2020 and got a lot of buzz. It's, it was sort of the worst, the worst year to pick to get a lot of buzz early. Um, this was a Sundance hit. And then, of course, you know, that was January and then March. So uh, the talk around this movie kind of faded fairly quickly, I think, because of the pandemic. But I think in a different year, it would have gotten a lot of traction. So it's about a girl named Autumn Callahan, and she's 17, and she lives in a small town in Pennsylvania, and Autumn is pregnant. She goes to a clinic, she takes a test, she gets an ultrasound, and decides she wants an abortion. Uh, the catch is, if you're a minor in Pennsylvania, you can't get one without parental consent. Uh, and luckily for Autumn, she has a cousin, Skylar, about her age, who seems to know a little bit more about the world and what to do in a case like this. So the two of them get a couple of bus tickets, uh, they get on a bus, they go to New York City, where there's a Planned Parenthood clinic. And here's a clip. Do you have a place to stay tonight? I know you came from far away. Yeah, yeah. Where are you going to stay? I don't know. I was just going to go to a hotel or something. 
Okay. Hotels are pretty expensive. Do you have the money for that? I'll figure it out. We work with volunteers that can help you with a place to stay. I can reach out to them if you want me to. Yeah, I, I got it. Okay. Who came with you today? My cousin. Have they been supportive? Yeah. Okay. Can you tell me what led to your decision to terminate the pregnancy? I'm just not ready to be a mom. I am so glad that there are more movies now being made about abortion. I feel like there was such a long period, and I've complained to you about this before, so I yes, apologize. I you've heard this You've heard this rant. Oh, no, I don't know if I want this baby. And then you conveniently miscarry. Miscarry, And of I course. feel like that happened over and over and over and over well, again. For decades, sure. I, I feel like there's like three movies that I'd ever seen where a woman was even allowed to go to the clinic. Because, yes. you know, it just wasn't allowed in the movie. So... I'm glad that there are more movies being made now because this is a very real decision that women make all the time. So I'm glad it's being depicted in film. Yeah. Um, you know, and and again, you know, to our, our listener, Katie, that I, I, I don't recommend this necessarily as a as a pro-abortion movie or sort of as an issues movie. Um, you know, I, this is this. I don't know what your feelings on this subject are. But I what I the reason I chose the movie was because it's about these two girls who are very much alone in the world. And one of them kind of takes the other one by the hand, unasked, and just does the right thing for her. And what's kind of interesting about the movie, kind of frustrating in a way, too, because you're kind of expecting some big emotional scene or some uh, some scene where Skylar, the cousin, is going to reveal her own backstory, and then you'll understand her motivations and you know, we'll get sort of a spilling of the guts from autumn of some sort, and the girls will cry and break down and bond. That doesn't actually happen. And in a way, I thought that was really interesting. It's it's just assumed. It's just assumed that one girl is going to help the other girl. You're, you're a girl in trouble. Mm-hmm. I am going to help you because that's what has to happen. This this is not a fair world. It's not it's 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 not an equal world for women. We've got to look out for each other. And I'm just going to do this thing. And I don't expect a big thank you from you. This is this is what we do. And that really stuck with me while watching this movie. So like I say, I know it's a bit of a hot button topic. Katie, our listener, I don't know what your feelings are on the subject, but I think anyone could relate to that sense of solidarity that these two girls have in the movie. And I think that's what has made it such a critical hit. Like I say, it was a big hit at Sundance. It won the Silver Bear uh, at the Berlin Film Festival. The main actress uh, is uh, Sydney Flanagan is the main actress. I think this is her film debut. Uh, the girl who plays Skylar is not a known actress. They're not non-professionals, but the movie does have that kind of realistic documentary feel. So there you go. Uh, sometimes, excuse me, it's a, it's a complicated title. Never, rarely, sometimes, always, which is based on, of course, the questionnaire that Autumn has to take in one of the movie's most amazing scenes. Uh, so it's really worth seeing. Wow. I definitely want to check that out, Rafer. You've sold me for sure. Oh, you'd love it, Christian. You would love them. You'd love this movie. Ugh, I'm excited to see it. So, Katie, once again, those recommendations are from me, Dollface, which is on Hulu, and from Rafer, Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, a huge thanks to everyone who continues to rate us five stars in Apple Podcasts, including Fruity11, who recently gave us five stars and wrote, I subscribed to Movie Therapy because it was mentioned on By the Book, but had not listened yet. 
Then, on a rough day, I thought, I wonder if movie therapy has a suggestion for me. I listened to the one about empty nesters, and you two gave great recommendations. I'd already seen Rafer's Hearts Beat Loud, so I tried Kristen's, and Aquafina was just what the doctor ordered. I'm now hooked, and we'll be back for more recommendations. Thanks for all you do to help us through these trying times. Oh, Fruity11, that makes us so happy. I mean... The fact that you actually watched, we we have a lot of listeners who write in and say, oh, I just like listening to you. I don't actually watch the movies. But the fact that you've actually <laughs> seen both of them, oh, that makes us feel so good. Thank you so much. That's fine, too. Yeah. You can listen and not watch. That's yeah, okay. Either way, we're totally fine. Either way. <laughs> but we do appreciate those five stars and that kind review. So thank you so much, Fruity11. Totally. All right. Stay with us. When we're back, we have someone who wants to feel connected to her recently deceased mother. Hey, everybody, we're back with our second letter of the week. This one is from Sarah. Kristen, why don't you read Sarah's letter? Oh, Sarah, I just, this one's breaking my heart. Sarah says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, my mother passed away after a long battle with COPD. She fought so hard, and my dad showed us what devotional love looks like by offering her 24-hour care at the end. And now we're feeling so much emptiness and longing to feel close to her. Our Mother's Day tradition was watching her favorite films, which included Steel Magnolias, A Chorus Line, Moulin Rouge, Fried Green Tomatoes, Drop Dead Gorgeous, and the movie version of Rent. I want to find something that we can comfort ourselves with outside these favorites. We're all just so lost. Thank you for trying for us. Terry will never be forgotten. I'll make sure of that. Oh, Sarah, um, I think I speak for both of us when I say that our hearts go out to you for that. I have not lost a parent. I have lost all my grandparents. Um, I am getting to the age where I am uh, thinking a lot about losing a parent. Uh, my wife and I both are. And it's scary. It's a scary thing. And also, you've lost a parent. Uh, I know we've said this many a time on this podcast, but you've lost a parent during the pandemic, which I think just makes everything twice as hard. So I'm sure you are going through a lot with all this. Oh, yeah. Well, I've said it before on the show, and I'll say it again. I have lost parents. Um, I don't have any living parents left. My husband has one living parent left. It is painful. It is awful to lose a parent. And my heart just goes out to you. I know that when my my Nana and my mom both raised me, and they died within 16 months of each other. And when they did, I really just went into a terrible emotional place. And Rewatched comfort shows from when I was younger. I rewatched hundreds of hours of the Golden Girls, which I used to watch with my Nana. I rewatched anything that was easy and that I didn't have to think too hard about. And sure, um, but I also understand, Sarah, that sometimes eventually you want to start watching shows that weren't just connected directly to your mom anymore, and maybe branch out a little bit. So. We're going to do our best to give you some other ideas of shows to watch. I do like, though, I want to point this out. I do like that several of the movies that you and your mom used to watch together are some of my favorite movies, movies we've mentioned on the show before, actually. A number a number of these have been mentioned on the show before. But I noticed that. <laughs> we're going to do our best to help you. And you know what? Watch whatever you need to. Don't worry about it being highbrow or lowbrow. Oh, of course. Watch comfort food. Watch infomercials. Watch whatever you need to watch. Um, but also watch what we're about to prescribe. Rafer, I'll let you start. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, well, Sarah, to our listener, Sarah, uh, this is a tough one because um, it sounds like your 
mom was uh, uh, kind of had uh, Catholic tastes, as they say. Steel magnolias, chorus line, Moulin Rouge, fried green tomatoes, drop dead gorgeous rent. Not a lot of not a lot of common threads through these movies necessarily, <laughs> I would say, um, which I like. I think that's good. She's uh, she was eclectic. So I'm taking a bit of a random stab in the dark here. I just figured, you know, I'm, I'm picking a couple of kind of outliers, I guess, in your mom's list here. I just figured if your mom liked Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is like a dark comedy, but she also liked a chorus line, which is all about showbiz, maybe you might like a dark comedy about showbiz. Oh. So I found one, one of my favorite movies from the, from the 80s, uh, 1985, Into the Night, directed by John Landis. Um, I don't know how many people out there know this film widely panned then as now. Um, <laughs> no, nobody really seemed to like this movie when it came out, and they don't like it still. Um, but I do, and I always got a kick out of it, so I'm going to recommend it. You got two great, great leads at the top of their game in this movie, Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer. He plays a guy named Ed living in Los Angeles. He's an insomniac. He's depressed. His wife's cheating on him. So he takes a drive out to Las Vegas, as you do. And there he meets a beautiful woman, Diana, who jumps in his car. And what Ed doesn't know is that she's a jewel smuggler and she's being chased by an entire network of international criminals. And pretty soon he's caught up in her game. Here's a clip. I've been watching you ever since you left Capers Yacht. Very impressive. I am? Stop performing now, Ed. If that's your name. <laughs> I don't, what are you talking about? Okay. I represent <laughs> Monsieur Mavie, and uh, I can assure you that he can be far more reasonable than the Savard. The Savard? The Shell Secret, please. Squad. Iranian Gestapo. Shaheen's boys. Shaheen's boys. <laughs> I like you, Ed. <laughs> I do like you. You're very good. The stones. What? Where are the stones? I can't help him. We do understand each other, don't we? Oh. Wow. Rafer? Yes. I have never seen this and it sounds wonderful. <laughs> I love what this movie sounds like. I love the stars of this movie. Oh yeah. I love the stupid predicament he's in. Yes. It sounds like great escapist fare. It completely is. And I'll just tell you, I mentioned earlier that this is a film that many people uh, widely disliked. And the reason is because it's full of cameos. And people didn't like that. Uh, the, you may have, in that clip that we just played, you may have recognized the voice of the English spy as David Bowie. So he's just <gasps> one of the many cameos that just pop up randomly. David Bowie, Dan Aykroyd, Vera Miles from Psycho. Um, wow. And then a whole slew of Hollywood people that you wouldn't recognize because you wouldn't normally see them on camera and you'd miss them like Colin Higgins, the guy who wrote 9 to 5, or... Amy Heckerling, Ooh. who directed Clueless, or Jonathan Demme, Ooh. who did Stop Making Sense, Paul Mazursky, Roger Vadim, Waldo Salt, the screenwriter. It's just this whole slew of Hollywood cameos. And because it all takes place in Hollywood, and a lot of it takes place on film sets, 
the whole movie starts to feel a little surreal. It starts to feel a little make-believe, a little bit like it's a movie about being a movie. And critics at the time just thought that was very self-satisfied and, and sort of self-amused and smug and sort of too L.A. And I understand that, but for some reason, I just got a kick out of the movie. Um, I'm a big John Landis fan. He plays one of the four Iranian criminals who's chasing Michelle Pfeiffer all over Los Angeles. Um it just, to me, it it's not a low-budget film, but it feels like a low-budget film made by, like, a guy and a bunch of his friends kind of having a lark, and they're being kind of creative, and it's funny, and it's light, and, you know, Jeff Goldblum, Michelle Pfeiffer, what more do you want? Like I say, this is not one of those movies that critics have reappraised. Critics still despise it, but I like it, and so I'm going to recommend Into the Night. Into the Night. All right. You sold me. And if right. I if I hate it, I will call you back up and yell at you. But <laughs> call me call me up, Kristen. And you too, Sarah. If if you hate it, I'm very sorry. Call me up. Let me know, <laughs> Kristen. What about you? All right. Well, I am going in a very 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 different direction from you. Okay. Because I was looking at Sarah's list here, and Sarah, you have a number of musicals on here. Yeah. You also have a number of family films on here, but you know what? You don't have family musical films. I like it. And I thought, I, I want to blend these two things together into one movie and one of the greatest family musical films of all time from 1944 is called Meet Me in St. Louis and I think it's just the thing for you. Of course. Now, Rafer, you have seen Meet Me in St. Louis. I've seen it. Or do you call it St. Louis or Meet Me in St. Louis? What do you What do you call it? You know, Meet Me in St. You know, I... I don't know. You know, one time, <laughs> a long time ago, I took a I took a, one of those linguistics quizzes that asked me how I pronounced the word aunt. Do I pronounce it aunt or ant? And one of the choices was I pronounce it ant when referring to a specific person, but aunt as a category. And that's what I do. And so I, that's when I realized that this test was going to nail my geographic uh, dialect precisely. Um, so St. Louis, St. Louis, it's exactly the same. I think it just depends on the context. And I couldn't even tell you what context. So Kristen, I, the answer is, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know how I pronounce this title. That's a long, that's a long wind up. Sorry. Well, there's a song. <laughs> oh, that's right. Of course. The song is Meet Me in St. Louis. Yeah, meet me right. in St. Louis, Louis. I'm not going to sing the whole thing because that's, no, I, I'm do a it, terrible do singer. But, um, but I, but I don't know. <laughs> Stop it, Reefer, because you know I will. I know. know I love to sing. I love singing so much. And just a side note here, the last show that Rafer and I used to host together for six years, Movie Date, at one point, the boss took me aside and said, please stop breaking into song on the podcast. <laughs> it's ruining it for everybody. So I'm just, I shouldn't do that. I'm not going to do it. But I'm, okay. glad you, I'm glad you reminded us of that. That was a good moment. <laughs> but uh, in Meet Me in St. Louis, let's just call it Meet Me in St. Louis. Uh, this is a movie that is based on a series of short stories and essays that originally appeared in The New Yorker around 1900. And it, Oh, I never knew that. Oh, yes. And uh, those short stories were collected eventually into a book called Meet Me in St. Louis. The stories focus on the Smith family who live in St. Louis in the lead up to the Louisiana Purchase Exposition, which is more commonly called the World's Fair. We all call it the World's Fair. Right. And uh, the World's Fair is coming to St. Louis in 1904. The family we see over the course of four seasons, summer, fall, winter, spring, it goes in that order. 
The family has a number of children, and we focus quite a bit on the antics, adventures, and romances of the two eldest daughters in the family, one of whom is played by Judy Garland, who's in love with the boy next door. We also see the eldest daughter falling in love with a boy who she may or may not be able to get. There may be a rival. The youngest child in the family, played by Margaret O'Brien, who was a huge star at the time. She's just a little girl, but she was like Shirley Temple. She was a huge star. Um, She is a fierce, independent, naughty, smart girl, and she's really fun to watch in this. And you see all of the members of the family, the kids developing independence, taking risks in their friendships, and so on. And you know they love this town. But then, unfortunately, dad gets a job offer, not in St. Louis, in another town entirely. What's going to happen to this family? Here's a clip. If Santa Claus brings me any toys, I'm taking them with me. I'm taking all my dolls. The dead ones, too. I'm taking everything. Of course you are. I'll help you pack them myself. You don't have to leave anything behind. Except your snow people, of course. (laughs) We'd look pretty silly trying to get them on the train, wouldn't we? Little women esque. Yes, isn't it? yes. You you know, it's really mostly about the girls in the family. I almost forget that there's a son in this family because who cares? It's really about the right. girls, you know. <laughs> I and I mean, it's. I mean, I, I got to tell you, it's, I was a I was a kid. I think when I saw this last, I, I must have seen it on TV. I've not seen it since then. Um, but yeah, and especially as you were describing it, and little bits of it were flitting back into my memory. I kept thinking like it had a little bit of a a little women vibe. Yes. Now I do remember Kristen. Harking back to another show that you and I were once on, Soundcheck. Yes. And the two of us were discussing Christmas songs. <laughs> and, do you remember this? Do you remember As this, Kristen? As a matter of fact, I just re-listened to that episode the other day. I was going to share it on Did you? the Facebook community, for the Rafer and Kristen Facebook community, because uh, that was a smackdown between you think that the best Christmas songs come from TV shows, and I think they come from movies. And when I right. presented this song as an example, you said you wanted to get into a bathtub and take a bunch of pills. That's right. <laughs> because Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is one of the songs in this movie. Yes. And obviously one of the most famous Christmas songs of all time. But yeah, that just that just sounds like that just sounds like a straight razor to me. That song. <laughs> I st- even 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 today I I can't I can't stand that song. But it's because of the whole Judy Garland baggage is really is really the problem. That's that's I think part of it. But but listen, you know, it's I, I, I recall it being a really fun, great, fantastic looking technicolor, very dazzling. Musical oh, it in, is. in my in my mind's eye. Like I said, it's been a long time since I've seen yeah, it. Yeah. Vincent Minnelli did such a fabulous job directing this. The colors just pop. Everything is just so vivid. It's almost like a cartoon. It's so vivid and beautiful. And even though it is mostly about the kids, one thing I do want to point out to our letter writer here, Sarah, is that the parents also get their due. You do see how much they love their kids. And you do see a duet between the two parents. And you do see them making sacrifices for their kids because 
that's what they're willing to do. That's how much they love their kids. They want their kids to be happy. They're willing to make sacrifices for them. So it's not just about the kids. It's mostly about the kids, but the parents factor in there too. And I think that will hopefully fill your heart with just the right balance of what you need right now when you're missing your mom so much and, you know, just getting a little reminder of that love, but then also having all that music and celebration and just those good moments with the family, with the community, with the neighborhood. Because you know what? Sometimes you just need a movie that makes you sing, that makes you dance and reminds you, you're not alone. You still have your community. You still have other people in your family. You're going to be okay, even though it doesn't necessarily feel like it right now. Well, Sarah, I hope that is of some help. I think those are two recommendations that might uh, might might lift your mood a little bit. From Kristen, meet me in St. Louis, and from me, into the night. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but before we do, do you need some movie therapy? Visit our website, RaferAndKristen.com. Fill out the contact form there. You do not have to use your real name. And if you haven't already, join the conversation on that Facebook community we mentioned. That's Facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. And when we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. All right, we're back, and it's time for this week's What Should I Watch Next Letter. This one is from Northern Emily. And since we haven't heard from any Emilys in a few weeks, we're excited to see one more. Yes, Kristen, yes. <laughs> take it away. Take away Northern Emily's letter. Yes, Northern Emily says, I made a mistake. I binged all of Kim's convenience. Now I don't have a quirky, cute family tackling their differences and growing in their relationships to watch during the long, dark nights. What will bring me joy now? How do I move on from here? Please tell me, what should I watch next? Well, that's an interesting one. Kim's Convenience. I'm just going to throw myself on my sword here. I have not seen it. Canadian show, right? Yes, it is Canadian. And I will admit right here and now, Northern Emily, when we got your letter... I decided, oh, I'm just going to watch an episode of this. I'll, I'll just randomly choose an episode. I chose episode one of season three. And once you know, before you know it, I'm watching episode two, season three, episode three, season three, episode four, <laughs> season three. This is a really delightful family show. They definitely have their differences. They definitely have their growth. They have all the things that Northern Emily talks about here. I have not seen the early episodes, so I can't speak for those. But what I did watch from season three, I just kept hitting the play next episode button over and over again. Oh, that's great. It was really enjoyable. A lot of that Canadian humor, the kind of humor that, you know, we've talked about on Schitt's Creek and other yeah. Canadian shows, good humored, kind of wholesome. Everyone's yeah. a little bit weird and a little bit off, but gosh, we love each other and our weirdness. I, I, I think it's a really <laughs> sweet show. It's a really sweet show. Oh, all right. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Um, well, Kristen, do you have a suggestion for our listener? I do. And I'm so sorry, Northern Emily, that it's not another Canadian show. I did have a Canadian show in mind, but uh, Dean, my husband, and I tried desperately to get access to it, and we could not here in the U.S., watch it so I couldn't recommend it. Oh, what show? The Great Canadian Baking Show, which is like oh. the Great British Bake Off, but it's the Canadian version yeah. and one of the hosts is Dan Levy from Shits Creek and Oh, okay. And I just think that show is very wholesome and gives you all sorts of like uh stories of people who are very real in their mistakes and their attempts to do things better and you get little backstories on their families and so on. But yeah, Dean and I could not for the life of 
us, you know, we, we tried all the legal and illegal ways to try and get to the show. I, I, I've, I've been there. I've been there. I had a I had a great movie lined up actually for our previous listener, the one who had lost her mother, a movie called Compromising Positions. <gasps> but the only way you can find that is on YouTube, and it's a it's somebody's terrible VHS oh, copy, gosh. and it's almost it's <laughs> no. almost unwatchable, and I can't find it anywhere. Um, so I know I know it's very it's it's so frustrating when everything's at your fingertips, and there's always some one thing yes. you can't seem to find somehow. It's very frustrating. Anyway, yes. I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, I interrupted no, no, Kristen. no. It's Continue. totally fine. I came up with another idea though, and it is a show I just adore that aired on NBC TV in the 1990s. It's currently on HBO Max and a few other places, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, of course. Of course. Now, I think most of us know what The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is about, but if you don't, it stars Will Smith. He plays kind of a fictional but not that fictional version of himself. Uh, As the popular theme song explains, fictional (laughs) Will's mom sent him away from his rough Philadelphia neighborhood where he was born and raised um, to live with his wealthy Uncle Phil and Aunt Vivian in Bel-Air, California. And, of course, there's a mix of warm-hearted connection that happens out there, as well as hilarious culture clashes that have to do with rich versus poor. And often the hilarity is at the expense of Will's stuck-up cousins, Carlton and Hillary, who are just a blast. Yes. Here's a clip. Hey, hey, what's up, y'all? Master Carlton's trying to get a date with his computer. (laughs) Oh, damn, what happened, man? The toaster turned you down? Party har har. This romance chat line on the internet happens to be a great way to meet the babes. Uh, look, I think the handle I've picked is pretty nifty. Loser boy. Huh? Honesty is one way to go. Well, that's a typo. I'm lover boy. And I guess lying is the other way to go. <laughs> no, I can come up with a better one. Uh, ah, about this one. Hershey's Kiss. Eh? Because you're little, you're chocolate, and you're rich. And then your head comes to this stupid little point, and you're like, Now, I'm just going to say, Kristen, I'm going to toot my own horn, but I'm not sure if I have a right to. (laughs) But in the very, very early days of Kanye West's career, I compared him to Carlton Banks. What? And I'm, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure because you, if you remember, he used to wear the ugly sweaters. That was his yes. thing in the very early days. And I yes. saw his one of I don't know if it was his very first concert here in New York, but it was his fir- one of his very first kind of proper nightclub concerts back when he was still kind of like the, the next big hot thing. And I compared him to Carlton Banks. And when I've looked back in the record, I think I was the first person to do it. And I think after that, he started comparing himself to Carlton Banks. Oh, my gosh. I can't prove anything. <laughs> I can't prove any connection. It's possible someone else did it first. It's possible I've overlooked overlooked something there. But I always like to I always like to think that I had something to do with that. I'm going to give you credit for that because I want to believe that you said that. I want to believe it, too, <laughs> even if it's not true. And, you know, the reason 
by the way, if you're not familiar with this show, everybody out there listening, the reason why we're talking about Carlton Banks, cousin Carlton, yes. he is essentially the funniest thing on the show. He's great. And cousin Hillary, they are played by Alfonso Ribeiro and Karen Parsons. They are such hilarious character actors. And in a lot of ways, Will is kind of the straight man next to them, next to these two. They are just- Yeah, it's kind of true. They're just so funny. And I want to point out here why this- will scratch the same itch as Kim's convenience. So a lot of the humor on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air has to do with that disconnect between two worlds. In this case, Will is from a very different world than his cousins, uh, Hillary and Carlton. On Kim's convenience, the adult children are from a very different world than their immigrant parents. But as with Kim's convenience, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air never punches down. It only punches up and Again, I just want to reiterate, it's very, very funny. Totally. It makes me laugh out loud every time I watch it. And the humor is held up. I've rewatched some episodes recently. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is still a hoot. So that's my recommendation. That's a that's a great recommendation. And, and in fact, it makes me think that we should try my two kids on it again. Because we tried them on it once a long time ago. And they got a kick out of it. And you could tell they kind of warmed to Will Smith. But I think there was just too much context involved that the jokes went a little bit over their head. I think like they liked him and just his whole sort of vibe. But I wonder if maybe we should try them on it again, because I really do remember that being a, a super entertaining show. Yeah. I mean, I think your kids are now old enough where they understand like, oh, these are stupid rich people. I get it. Right. But you know, when <laughs> right, you're a little exactly. kid, you don't necessarily understand things like class. You know? Yeah, right. Class, race, I mean, all this kind of stuff, right? Geography, right? Bel Air versus Pennsylvania. It's, that kind of, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't resonate with you when you're, you know, a, when they were probably, you know, seven and nine or something at the time. So I don't know. I don't know. We, that that might be worth revisiting. But I think it's a great, it's a great suggestion. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you like that one. And what about you, Rafer? What are you going to suggest? Well. I don't know if this will exactly fit the bill for Northern Emily, but it's 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 close. And plus, it's a really good little movie that, that I, I think never got quite as much attention as it deserves. So I want to I want to spread the word about it a little. It's a, a little comedy from 2013 called In a World. Do you remember this one, Kristen? Starring Lake Bell, who you love. I love Lake Bell. Boy, I love me some Lake Bell. Yes, <laughs> uh, this she wrote this one and directed it and stars in it. Um, and it's a movie that takes place entirely in the world of professional voiceover artists, hence the, hence the title In a World, named after that famous sort of movie trailer cliche uh, <laughs> by a guy named Don LaFontaine, who, uh, who I think had died just recently when the movie came out. It was sort of, sort of sad, sad and uncanny timing uh, for this movie. But anyway, Lake Bell plays a woman named Carol Solomon. She's uh, trying to land a big job as a voiceover artist for a movie franchise that wants to revive the famous in a world cliche. Uh, the problem is her dad is also a voiceover artist. In fact, he's a voiceover legend whose name is Sam Soto, as in Soto Voce. Oh. And he's probably, right? I know, it's funny. <laughs> and he's probably going to be the guy who's going to get the job. But, you know, but Carol really wants the job. And if it's not Sam, then it might be his new protege, Gustav. And anyway, <laughs> how come Carol's own dad is not recommending his own daughter for this fantastic job? It gets very complicated. Here's a clip. 
And the truth of the matter is, it probably wouldn't help you anyway, because let's face it, the industry does not crave a female yeah, sound. Yeah, Dad, you may be painfully aware of that my whole well, life. Not being sexist, like... that's just the truth. Okay. And this whole voice-cracking problem you've grown into isn't doing any favors either. But here's what I'm trying to say, sweetheart, okay? You should stick with the accents. I mean, that's your thing. That's what you're good at. What was that great, that Russian Star Wars thing you used to do as a kid? Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. But, Dad, can we... Can no, no, we... what was it? It was... I, don't make me do it Come right now. on. Dad, I don't want to do it right now. Please, let me hear it. These are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> I just love that. It's so random. Uh, Rafer, I find Lake Bell very likable as well. Um, I did early on in this show recommend another show that she's a part of called Bless This Mess, where she yeah. and her husband try to live in the country when they're city folk. She's yes. really good at being the person who's kind of trying against all odds and not always succeeding. She She's very down to earth and enjoyable to watch. Yeah, she really is. Um, and I just I just think she's I think she's a real star. And I'm, I'm I've always been a little bit surprised um, that she has become sort of a bigger deal. Um, she's I, I feel like she's sort of almost like a more of an indie darling in a way than sort of like a Hollywood kind of A-list, you know, glamour puss type. Um but this was such a great little movie, and it's got a great cast. Um, Fred Malamud, the guy from, uh, I think, from A Serious Man, you'd recognize him if you saw him. He plays the dad. He's fantastic. Ken Marino plays uh, Gustav, who's the protege. Um, uh, Michaela Watkins is in this. Dimitri Martin is in this. Um, and it's just this little funny, oddball comedy set in this strange world that you never think about, the voiceover world. And it turns out to be this highly competitive, incestuous you know, a cutthroat business with a lot of egos involved. And it's a family story. It's, you know, it's a it's a daughter and father and all these sort of fraught issues between them. And I guess the other thing that I thought was kind of interesting about it is that there's also this question running through the whole thing of why, why are all these voiceovers done by men? Why is it always the men mm. who are bringing all the gravitas and authority? Why could a woman possibly utter the words in a world and have the same, <laughs> the same authority, the same gravitas as Don LaFontaine? You know, and it's a, it's a, it's a good question and it's worth thinking about it. It's kind of a serious and kind of interesting issue that's tackled in kind of this oddball, random way. Um, and Anyway, I think it's a really fun movie, and I like to uh, I like to recommend that one where I can. Mm, love it. All right. So once again, Northern Emily, those recommendations are from Rafer in a world. In a world. Um, <laughs> maybe that's the way I should say More it. gravitas, Kristen. More gravitas. In a world. Good. Where Rafer recommends a movie called <laughs> In a World. <laughs> and for me, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Well, Kristen, that's it in this world. We've come to another end of movie therapy for the week. Oh, gosh. It flies by so fast, and I'm about to sing a song about that. So Join me, Rayford. Join me. <laughs> <laughs> Have yourself a merry little podcast. All right. No, no, no. Do we do we do? <laughs> yes, Rayford. I got you to sing. <laughs> Only you, Kristen. <laughs> Everyone out there, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Again, if you need some questionable advice and solid movie recommendations, you don't have to use your real name. You can be Northern Emily. You can be Southern Emily. You can be Emily from down the street. You can be any Emily you want to. You can do that at RaferandKristen.com. That's our website. Or you can tweet us at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. And once again, a reminder to rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite 
favorite shows. And please tell your friends about our show. It always helps us a lot. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.